Movement Rio Media presents A Few Good Physios with Dr. Eric Munoz and Dr. Leonidas Scantolides. You can't handle the truth. What is physical therapy? More research. More research. True therapeutic effect. Join us each week as we discuss current trends in medicine, rehabilitation, and strength and conditioning. The answers are out there. All content is a collaboration between On Point Sports Care and Integrated PT Squared. A Few Good Physios is not medical advice and is used for educational purposes only. If you are having pain and or health-related complaints, please seek out a licensed healthcare professional. Thank you for downloading. Enjoy. All right, welcome back. Episode 33, Few Good Physios. We're back again. Um, today we're going to be doing like a combination. Uh, I went into uh, a course this weekend, March 30th and 31st, and I'm going to do a quick little review of it, and then we'll chat about some other things. Yes, um, it will be a shorter uh, episode. We're flying solo, but we'll catch up to speed with what's going on in our lives. Yes. Um so I took a course by this gentleman named uh, DKU. I think that's how you pronounce it. His last name is Y-O-O. Um, if you Google him, he'll probably come up right away. He runs a two-day combat course, and uh, it's called the Warfare Combat System, or the WCS. And he combines his, his experience in combat training with kinesiology, anatomy, physiology, Various martial arts and various sports, and it was really cool. Um, I went with a, with a couple of colleagues slash friends and learned a lot in terms of uh, you know both the my friend and I we were, we both did martial arts when we were younger, traditional martial arts. He did more karate based martial arts, and I did mainly karate and taekwondo. And we both kind of came away from the same conclusion. I wish we took this course when we were before we started doing those. Uh, martial arts um, because th- he really breaks down just how efficiently and effectively your body should be when you when you move just step and that is kind of the root of how you strike um, like kicking and pun- punching all together would you say well I'm looking at the note but mm-hmm. base but basically that the concept of base um, comes up in any really any sport but definitely within combat sports but there was a big it seems like there was a big emphasis on base does he have a definition in terms of the optimal weight distribution or foot position did they go into those details yeah so he he went to a, into a very traditional stance uh i learned it as a, a t stance mm-hmm. um I, other people have learned it as like an l stance or a back stance mm-hmm. basically you make you know i guess a, a, an l with oh, your right feet on. And then you step out maybe a little bit wider than your shoulders. Uh, and then you distribute a little bit more weight in the back to the front. But he didn't do that. He distributed weight equally to both. He just had the feet stay like that. And then he was always on the balls of the feet. And that back foot dictated nearly everything that he did from jabs to cross to moving forward. Uh, not moving back. He's, he, we would When you move backwards, then you would move off your front leg. Got it. Like um, a push off, push off the front. Exactly. Uh, but there was a lot of work. I, you know, my uh, my other friend, he his wife also came, and what she was saying is she always had her left leg forward, and her calf was her right calf was just killing her by the end. That's how much work was being done by the back leg. 
but um, it was pretty cool, yeah. And then staying on the t- like I saw some video, so that kind of bouncing that was eight hours. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So we would do the all these partner drills over and over again of just the bouncing. So it was that's very similar to Taekwondo. Like when I was doing Taekwondo, you know, I, I'm I'm originally from the East Coast. When I went out to Colorado, that's where I trained uh, for my college days in Taekwondo. Hmm. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because it's very dry in Colorado, hmm. and we would practice in a basketball court, oh. so hard ground, and our practices would be anywhere between two and a half to three hours long, Shh. and it would be in the evening, you know, at the end of the day. My skin was not tolerating that well. I hmm. used to split at the bottom of my feet because we'd be bouncing oh. so much, and like, I would get. Uh, really big blisters and they would split open so my feet would bleed and I would have to tape them up and then keep going and I just I'll never forget that but that was as a consequence of just living on the balls of your feet and it sure it was awful and it was funny I, used, I remember I used to talk to a lot of the competitors and uh, especially the female competitors and they hated the in-season because they couldn't wear any sandals because their feet would be all blistery and blood bloody you know do they typically do i mean training on a hardwood floor is that or competitions on a hardwood floor no it's a pad no uh it depends it it depends on where you go if you go to nationals it's going to be on a very thin pad right if you go to a regional competition that that thing could be on the cement (laughs) wow (laughs) i've competed on cement before barefoot barefoot cement i mean i was young you don't think about those things it's like you bounce off a friggin you know steel beam um but it, it, it's bad. Yeah, I remember on a demo, it was concrete, but we had these little, like these little these sneakers, slip-on things. It was you could wear those sneakers. Right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. But there, it doesn't feel good though. No, I mean, I would say on a whole, it, it was mainly like basketball courts. Uh, I'm trying to think now. Like the only time I went to a big competition and we did like basketball courts was, um, I think it was a Rhode Island State Championship and. Yeah, it was very uncomfortable, and I was older, so like I knew that we should have been on mats. Right. Um, Imagine jujitsu. No, 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 just it's not like negotiable. Slam, yeah, yeah. You live on the ground, you live, so yeah, you, there's no way. negotiation. Yeah, you need a mat. Um, but yeah, it, so that that was really cool. So that that kind of base movement with the feet being able to kind of rotate. I wore sneakers the entire time. My buddy's wife actually took off her shoes. She did it barefoot, and uh, she used to be a dancer. I, I don't know how she did it, but my feet would have friggin' tore open. Um, what I also thought was cool is that he talked about other sports. So, like, he started the the seminar by talking about how a pitcher can effectively um, throw a ball professionally, like 90 miles an hour. And he says, you know, it's a full body motion, obviously. And, and we learn in school, um, if you take any PT courses on pitching mechanics, it's more the how fast and powerful you can throw and actually how long you can throw in a game is more to do with your glute strength than right. your arm strength. Right, I mean, right. And mechanically, like everyone who knows mechanics, they can be like, yeah, of course, I get it. Um, but he talked more about like, you know, in when he, he, he works apparently with a couple of baseball players, he kept mentioning this one guy he was going to see this week in Cincinnati Reds pitcher, mm. and he wanted to work with him. Um, but he was like a lot, there would be a lot less injuries at the elbow and the mm. shoulders. And he, this is what he said. And the guy who was translating, I think was a PT. Cause he was like, yeah, Tommy John surgery. And I was like, did he really say Tommy John surgery uh, in Korean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe not. No, I think he just said like elbow surgery and shoulder surgery. He's like, if they, if the pitchers learn how to effectively do this trunk rotation, foot rotation, uh, uh over and over again, there'll be a lot less 
mechanical stress on the shoulder and the elbow. So I appreciated that because if you all if, if you come back to almost every sport where you have to generate some sort of force like that, swinging, hitting, uh, punching, uh, it all comes back to your hip rotation and kind of that, that little translation up to the arm, translation down to the feet and so on. I think we see a lot of injuries in the clinic. I mean, I recently I had a big um, uh, back-to-back clients that are dealing with some elbow and shoulder issues due to tennis. Mm-hmm. And tennis, yeah. for sure, uh, these gentlemen uh, and one female um, all had rotational issues at mm-hmm. the hip mm-hmm. as well as the shoulder. And it seemed like... Um, you know, they were just loading up their wrists and shoulder uh, and elbow, uh, pretty much loading up their extremity without really getting any help. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool that he's, I mean, look, he's connecting it to a lot of different sports, which is, you know, it's it's applicable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he loved fencing. He kept talking about fencing, and he kept doing the motions for fencing, which I found fascinating. Every time I've watched fence, fencing, it's very similar to Taekwondo, the stance yeah. and the movements. But of course, it's you know I, I, when I look at this, is I always think like in combat. It's obviously not mimicking combat, but he makes a point where it teaches you a great deal about distance because you not only have your own like when taekwondo, you have your your weapons are your arms and your legs, but mainly your legs because you're, you're you're kicking about ninety percent of the time. So you, you learn about how well you can distance yourself from your opponent and you're kicking and there's so many different kicks you can do step kick you could do just standing kick so you have to be able to distance that so that teaches you a great deal but in fencing you have an additional sword right so more distance more way more distance and then also you have to manage that distance with your changing arm length so and he showed us over and over again which i found fascinating because when there's actually a video of me working with him and he's got a uh, like a toy knife and he he was doing um, he wanted me to move back reflexively to get out of the way of the knife, but without leaning back, I had to move my body like in like this. Uh, and so of course, yeah, I, I was there's was no way in hell I was going to be able to get out of the way of him doing stabbing, it. Right. He was so fast, and, it, and that was a small blade that was here, and he was able to manage that distance. Now imagine, you know, way bigger blade and having to manage that and the arm, and someone athletically trying to do it back and forth. So I thought that was cool. Like, I never looked at fencing that way. Um, and, you know, later in the course, they, he taught us about knife techniques, and that definitely translates because if two people have knives, then you're going to be doing those movements similarly to get that first attack. Right. And, av- and avoid one. <laughs> and avoid one. So that was a huge thing he talked about. Is like the first thing you have to know about knife combat is avoiding getting killed or avoiding getting, like, an ending strike, which would be an artery. Um, and he said, you have to guard your arteries first and be able to hold the knife correctly. That was the other thing that I found really cool is that he can identify right away. He had a bunch of people just grab the knife, and he's like, just hold the knife in front of me and pretend that you're going to come at me. He's like, I can tell right away you've never done this before. And he's like, the skill of holding the knife is going to tell me if you know what you're doing or not. So I thought that was really cool. Exactly. Like, oh... I'm going to knock this person out. He's not going to see it coming, or yeah. oh, he's going to cut my carotid. Exactly. <laughs> what Be a, more defensive or not. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I actually always wanted to take a, um, I don't know, recently I saw something on, on TV. There's a show now that they have on blades on bla, uh, bladesmiths. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but uh, in between there, they had some kind of course 
a knife course. I think it was both in defense and use. But it's a skill. I mean, it, you it can't is. just put a knife in your hand and start swinging away. No, and I, I always found it fascinating because I did learn weapons in the school that I trained at in Taekwondo because the school, the owner, Bruce McCorry, he was not only a high-level, he was, a, I think, either a grandmaster or a master in, in uh, Taekwondo, but he was also a very high-level uh, kung fu um martial artist he was like a black sash he trained in the shaolin temple for a very long time he was like one of the first americans back in the 70s i want to say to do it uh but anyway so he he brought weapons to the school and he always wanted all of his students to learn some basic weapons so learn like nunchuck the sai the staff um those tonfa basically it's just like a nightstick please yes, yes. um so basic use of those things Sticks, and I remember those. yeah and as a kid you don't know like you don't think like oh this is a good skill you're just like oh well, this is what the school requires i need to do this to like be able to do taekwondo but now i look back on it i liked it because it gave me some basic handling skills of weapons not to say that i'm going to go out there and use weapons but more it's about dexterity and movement skill right so it, it, John Danaher talks about knives all the time. He loves knives. You, you know that, right? He lo- I, yeah, he gifted a couple in yeah. my presence. Um, does he love him in, as a use of a weapon, or he likes talking about the defense or both? Probably. He, the, the only reason I know this is not because I spoke to him about right, this. Right, right. <laughs> the only reason I know this is because I, I follow him, him on Instagram, and he posted about it one time. He, he says... Um, a blade has significance in almost a philosophy on its own when it comes to martial arts. So, And also the handling of that blade, too, apparently, is something very significant in martial arts. So basic, the, the handling of a weapon skillfully is similar to using your body skillfully as a weapon Absolutely. in Absolutely. It's an extension. I mean, um, yeah. especially a blade, mm-hmm. uh, because without a skill, just like someone that didn't know how to fight, I mean... Th- Yes, they could probably, they might knock someone out with a haymaker. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you have a knife in your hand and swing it at someone, you might cut an artery. Right. Um, the, the chances are slim. The chances right. are probably the same for finding a tumor on a lumbar. There we go. There we go. <laughs> probably exactly. The 0.03%. Exactly. <laughs> So don't swing at people and don't use knives. That's if you don't know, and if you do know how to use a knife, don't use the knife. But um, no, that's cool stuff, man. I, what about the? Uh, I know there's a yeah. tangent, but no, please. Nunchucks. I uh, I used to make them. I used made, to make nunchucks. I made made. I bought a pair of nunchucks. I had like a practice nunchuck. You know, the practice was the little plastic ones. Yeah. And then I had fancy ones. But then I like started make. I mean, you just take a wooden dowel, mm-hmm. you know, tape them, you know, a little piece of like a rope with a uh-huh. uh, with a hammer something in, or you could just tape it up. Yeah, um, that sounds I, risky. Oh, there was a couple of flying nuns. There was definitely some flying handles on the nun. This is when I was like ten. Oh my god! It was it was bad news, man. Um, I would crazy we weren't i mean yeah. this this now 2019 we would probably be on a, a watch list I probably mean, you know then, well back in the day i used to be able like i remember in massachusetts i think i could order the nunchucks uh either through the school or to my house but yeah, i don't think you, you could do that anymore through a magazine yeah exactly used to get ninja stars mm-hmm. ninja stars that's right there was this one magazine i used to get it was called AWMA. You ever heard of that? No. AWMA was Asian, <laughs> Asian World of Martial Arts. 
Right. And you can get everything there. I got samurai a, swords probably. I think you can get samurai swords, but I'd never got those. But uh you can definitely get ninja stars. You can get knives. You can get a lot of the tactical um spray, uh what do you call it? The pepper spray. Right. And then oh, that's all the, 2019, um, you're going to have a SWAT team. Yeah, they're going to knock on your door. What the hell's going on here? You want to pepper spray ninja stars, uh, nunchucks. Yeah. And so Amazon. <laughs> um, yeah, we Google that shit. Check on Amazon if there's ninja stars. But, oh, uh, sure there is. Um, man, were you into ninjutsu at all? Were you? Um, That's so funny you should ask that. So I, I was going to say on through AWMA, right. there was one Halloween. I did this purely for Halloween, by the way. This wasn't for my own thing. Um, I ordered a ninja I suit. Had, I had one, man. And it was complete. <laughs> and it was like I got the boots and uh, oh, the, the little web, The web boots, too. Right? It was like a... Exactly, you yeah. You climb walls with it. And so <laughs> my friends were so tripped out about it. This is in high school, and I I dressed up the full full guard, and um, I, I'm not going to imagine why they freaked out, dude. Oh, but it was because <laughs> they were like, you know, we, you, you're doing stupid shit in Halloween when you're a teenager. Yeah. So, like, we all got together, and I literally, this is so embarrassing to say, but it was funny. I hid in a tree. I was with, like, one or uh, two of them. I hid in a tree, and they invited the rest of our friends over, and they wanted me to jump out of the tree and surprise one of them, but uh, I sure enough yeah. did. And they didn't see me in the tree. You could easily see, like, if you, you looked in that direction. Well, but ninjas knew what they were doing, dude. It was hilarious. Yeah, I used to run around the block with my ninja suit. Well, <laughs> we were about 10, 10 or 12 years old, and we used to have, wow. Oh, rubber ninja stars. Uh, you can get. Oh, I might get some of these. Some some flying. <laughs> these look. Those look real though. They look very real. Plastic. Throwing those look knives. throwing knives. What How could you hell? get that on Amazon? I don't know. Look at this. That that's a target. Oh, it's rubber though. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, but look. I'll tell you right now. My son. That could take someone's eye out, man. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> even you know, the plastic ones. Enough. The plastic ones, man. Six years and up. You gotta wait till you six years. Yeah, old. six. What about that? That doesn't have an age, huh? The throwing no. knives. This, I think these are real. Those these look are very stainless real. Stainless steel throwing knives. Set. I don't know about Smith that. Smith and No. I, I'm sure if I if I click on this, Amazon's be like, hmm, we gotta send this to somebody. Yeah, put them on the list. Oh what? Oh, is those are magnets. That's hilarious. That's a cool. That's a cool. Dude, you just got me. I'm going down into a rabbit hole with this. Yeah, we. I'm this a, is insane. I'm a few good physios gone rogue. <laughs> ninja stars, so nunchucks, and there's a crossbow on Amazon. Oh, I, I, like I had one of those, man. The, the crossbow. Yes, I had a crossbow. <laughs> I had. A, I bought it for 25 bucks from my friend uh -huh. in sixth grade. Again, I'd be on a watch list. That's hilarious. But this is um, this is what was entertaining in I guess the 90, 80s and 90s. There's uh, a ninja suit. There's a ninja suit. I, I definitely had the ninja suit. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. They got, like, a, a hood in there. Oh, man. This is scary. I don't even like people wearing that in the winter, man. The I don't think yeah, these mask either. things. I, I, I don't it's get crazy. it. Oh, man. Yeah, so that, that was cool. Some basic knife techniques. <laughs> so, so <laughs> all right. No judgment. No judgments, guys. But, you know, we were little wild kids. Yeah. So <laughs> go back. So movement. Uh, oh, so gentle critique. Yeah, so like real quick was I found it very beneficial. I do not regret taking it. I I learned a lot and I w I'm uh in addition to the knife striking and the uh, uh basic showing us how to generate power and be efficient in, in generating power. He also did meditation, like standing meditation, lying on your back meditation. 
And I liked it because the standing one was very different from what I've ever done as a standing meditation. Basically, you take a position that would be with your arms as if you're a, a ballet dancer doing first position. So your arms are like around a ball. Interesting. And then you, you bring your arms down a little bit so uh, they are like maybe around your belly button. And then you're kind of locking down your shoulder. And he, the cue he gave was your elbow should be pushing out and down as you're holding there. And then your stance is about hip width apart. Then he wanted you to go into a posterior pelvic tilt. And he said, imagine, you know, your whole weight going through your tailbone and like dropping into the ground. So then you sink there and you just focus on your breathing. So he, he recommended 10 minutes a day and arms don't get tired. I mean, that's what he said. He's yeah. like, if they are getting tired, then you stop and go back. But they shouldn't. By the time you're actually hitting an efficient position, then you're not going to get you could do this for three hours in a row if you wanted to. Right. Um, so I thought that was cool. We did it for like I think we did it for like three to five minutes. Um, my arms didn't get tired, but I was just confused about the, the pelvic positioning. So mm. we kept asking him questions about that. So I'm gonna, I have to try it on my own because when I w we were doing it, I was playing around with the pelvis. I think it probably has a little something to do with a little diaphragm or imp increasing the intra-abdominal cavity mm -hmm. with that, possibly. Yeah. But a little weightless situation there. That's pretty cool. Standing yeah. meditation, yeah, it's not as common as one thinks. You know? Yeah. And I was talking to my friend, and he, he said he knew somebody he used to train with who was a kung fu practitioner. He used to do the exact same thing. Mm. And so I was like, that's interesting. So I never never heard of that. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely, the, my takeaways were that I learned a great deal about the, um, the striking aspect, the meditation. The only thing I wish we would have done less of is the amount of breakouts. He, he We did a lot of breakouts, and they were long, and so... A lot of when you know what we learned from Con Ed classes is that when the breakouts are too long, people are just going to dilly dally and do through their own thing. So people were like doing jujitsu at one point. I was watching, and he was off with working with a group, and he was doing something totally different what we were supposed to do, and like stuff like that. I wish we were doing less of, but which is fine. It wasn't too crazy. Um, and then also the movements he was demonstrating. He was going so fast, and he wouldn't break down that movement to the extreme enough for for you to do it so that's one thing i you know as a kind of a movement practitioner i would like to know the prerequisites for the to be able to do that or to learn how to do that he was showing the steps to do it the the actual foot movement but not mm -hmm. the trunk movement and the arm movement and yeah all that you break stuff. it down i mean just from just from jujitsu i right? think of drilling Mm -hmm. And how much, I mean, it makes a huge difference slowing uh, slowing down a little. I mean, I've had to learn the hard way various times. But, yeah. um, you know, slow, controlled, and just understanding every part of the chain as opposed to maybe just the feet or just the hand. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. Watch the videos. Watch the videos. You'll see what Lee's talking about. The yeah, <laughs> you, we'll you will put, miss things. We'll put the videos <coughs> on. Uh, maybe upload them to you, our website. You can't even. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even see them though. It'll just no. be a blank. It'll just be blank. Sometimes yeah. you see a little red dot, and that that's his foot. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, some finishing thoughts about this course was: uh, take it if you're interested in learning some efficient movement patterns for striking, uh, you know, even boxing or kicking. 
And if you want to start learning basic knife techniques and get some meditation ideas for your own practice, I found it very helpful, and I'm happy I took it. And I would, if he's back in town again in the year, I would take it again. I would hope to take it. Two yeah. days, it's 16, hour, 16 hours. Yeah, we started at 10, and he finished around 5 that oh, first day and same day uh, same thing the second day that's cool that was like about an hour lunch you felt good yeah, yeah it was good. good it wasn't too crazy 10 is a good start point yeah no it's it a, is a, i was a, like oh this is really nice i'm so used okay. to like friggin like eight or nine with pt stuff yeah, oh yeah, yeah a lot of niam stuff started at eight so you got to be there <sighs> at 7 45 8 7 30 yeah it's just lab heavy and your brain is friggin fried well, this is. Mo- it sounds like you guys were moving around a lot. That's just a fun. Th- you know. Yeah, I guess that's what makes it different, right? Because we were doing. That's that's very important. Is that we were with those breakouts. You were with a partner. They were stimulating drills, um, and they they all they all kind of piled on top of each other, like built right, right. over time, uh, which was cool. So speaking of teaching, we were kind of fresh off last night of. Uh, being a teaching assistant for yes, our uh, yes. Toro College. We were complex patient actors. That's right. We were given a couple of cases. We were given an upper extremity cor- uh, excuse me, upper extremity case and a mm. lower extremity case. And we were we had what six I think it was like six actors. There were six, yep. I think so, so, yeah, six actors, six groups. Yep. And the group uh, was probably about five or six students each. And students kind of within those six students, each each one of them had a different part of the evaluation slash treatment, and I uh, was pretty impressed. I was pretty impressed by the level of clinical reasoning uh, that these students had. You know, they were third year students, so they had a, a, a lot of coursework underneath them. They had some clinicals, um, and most importantly, they were curious. Uh, some some were more confident than others. Um, but it's understandable, you know, mm-hmm. that they're, they're students. Um, I don't know how I don't know how much different I would have attacked it, but it, it's it is a complex patient. I mean, even just reading it out, you know, there was a lot of details that as as actors we had to kind of hmm. act. Uh, we had to, you know, we had to improvise. There was definitely some objective data that was missed. I know I did. I missed a thing <laughs> or two. Oh yeah, me too. Um, but at the same, yeah, they were asking me about medications, and I'm like, no, oh, nothing. no medications. Like, are you sure? I'm like, uh, son well, of a <laughs> I was like, I might be on a statin. And they were like, what about your thyroid? I was like, that's that too. <laughs> that, but that's realistic, though. Like, that's it a is patient. very realistic. Oh, my God. Patient, oh, no, I'm good. No, no, sir. Had, no. All, had open heart surgery, but it was like seven years ago. Right. You know? <laughs> Not in any medication, just three for my heart, but nothing no, else. No, 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 right. All right. But it, it was That's it was funny. a really really um, it was a very cool experience in that you know it was, it was great to be back in the classroom yeah um, and sharing clinical pearls with uh, with the students was really cool mm-hmm. uh, and just being in that environment um, I really want to get back into some kind of teaching presenting just spreading my helping helping others out you know at a at a larger volume than just on a one-on-one level right Um, yeah i mean i did find it it was very satisfying for me this time around because this is like trying to remember how many times i've done the complex patient i want to say three four i think it was it's been four now uh which is really weird because that means it was four years um wait does that make sense uh 18 17 
16. I think I've done it three times. So that makes you. sense. Yeah. And yeah. you were there the year before. I remember you telling me about Yeah. you put me on. Yeah, that that was great. So, yeah, I mean, th- in this setting where, you know, there there had been some years that w- the first time I TA'd um, in PT exam with uh, Dr. E, um, it was a little tough because, th- and he told me this too, and not to knock the kids, but that I think that, that class. That particular class? Yeah, it was, it was a kind of a, it sounds like they weren't really into it. They were especially that class he wanted them to be a little bit more focused on it because it was right before the oscies they had to pass the oscies and stuff like that and i think i had mentioned to you like what was going on the couple kids you know were really they i I ended up having to fail two kids during the oscies and that was disturbing for me just because to see their reaction yeah and you've been we've been there yeah And, uh, but there are some red flags. Oh, the Oski is there so you don't kill somebody or you don't miss something key. Right. And this was, you know, how it was presented to us. And I think it was presented to them the same way. It was like, listen, you're representing Toro as when you go out to your clinical. This is your fir- right before you're, you're kind of getting screened to go out to the clinical. So anyways, to backtrack, you know, some sometimes when I would teach, it, it would be, you know, you tried to pass on this information in the way that um, we have learned is efficient to teach plus also how it was taught to us which was very efficient and systematic and it wasn't received well and then <laughs> the la- <laughs> how so that they were like nah i don't believe you dude no, i mean what was, was like <laughs> there were there were a couple cl- kids in the class who like strangely didn't believe like in pt and like was constantly questioning the the physical therapy as a whole so you you would want that would prompt you to be like then why are you here? Yeah, like, I mean, so, what are you gonna do? You gonna try? You know? Yeah, it, it. So you, I mean, there were we did have some kids in our class too who were like, hmm, I don't know if they'll do well outside of here, but um, oh, I think every class does. I mean, uh, there's the people that probably gotten into PT school mm-hmm. academically. They're you know they're sharp. You know they they just getting into a career, not really into it. You know, there's just and somehow they make it. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, I don't think healthcare, if you don't really want to be in healthcare, I don't think, you know, it's not something you, it's not a job. Right. You know, and I, I mean, obviously it, it, it's a, it's a career, <laughs> it's a job, but it's not, you don't want to think of it as a job, right? I mean, no, it's, you know, do you, do you remember that, um, <laughs> that tagline for uh, the Navy? No. It was it was back like when <laughs> when Steven Seagal was like super famous and that movie Under Siege came out. Oh, it was good. That yeah, was good it was great. And he but he he said this line in the movie. He's like, "This is not a job. This is an adventure." <laughs> it's, that's that's, that's what a career thing. is. Yeah, yes. career. Yeah, a career is like an adventure. Yes, yeah. and it's something that you should, you know, there's risks involved, there's ups, there's downs, but at the end, you know, you signed up for the adventure as opposed to you know going through the quote motions. Right. Because, you know, when you're out practicing, there's going to be another person out there looking for answers. They're going to be, they might be in a compromised situation. And there you go, you know, kind of lackadaisical, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hamstring stretches. Let's stretch your neck out. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, that was the other thing, too. There were There were a lot of students that had, they were unable to communicate with the patient. So when they practice the things that they would say and how they would say it, this is even with their knowledge of pain science. I'm just like, in my head, how are you going to talk to a patient like this? 
But um, yeah, this this last time didn't feel like that. These all these kids that we worked with, they were all very receptive. They were also very professional, um, and they they had the information about pain science, and we offered it, that to to them as well. But yeah, I agree. So like when you go into healthcare, it, it's the above and beyond with your patient is kind of it should you know it definitely should be the norm. That should be like the standard when you meet with somebody. You you know take a weekend course, spend sixteen hours, eighteen hours, then we come back in on Monday, completely trashed from that course, and nine hundred dollars uh, spent. Yep, and maybe then fourteen, maybe twelve. Right. Yeah. And then you you treat a full day, you know, and and that by the sixteenth patient you're just smiling just as well, much as you are with the the first patient. Yeah, and then you actually spread that knowledge. But out of the sixteen patients, the you know the first eight mm. got every technique that you you learned over the weekend. That's right. And they you know and that's that's practice. That's mm. called being in practice. And I think um, we all need to uh, you know as physical therapists, trainers, martial artists. Get uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, in order to to progress yourself, to progress your skill set. Yeah. Um, but the enthusiasm of this class was pretty good. Even comp- I have a small comparison from the last three years, and I think um, I, I, this class seemed to be the most uh, with it. I yeah. guess um, they were very on point. <clears throat> but it was it was again it was um, enlightening to hear, you know. I think out of the five, let's say the 10 people I spoke with, out of two groups, um, most of them, I would say 70 to 80% knew kind of what, where they wanted to focus, uh, whether it was outpatient ortho, had a couple of students that were interested in pediat- uh, peds, there were a couple that wanted to do neuro, um, and then there was a couple that didn't know, and I, you know, kindly let them know, that's fine, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, they don't have to have a, a solid game plan. Also asked another key question of Con Ed. Mm. I was like, you know, does any of you guys, are any of you guys taking Con Ed? And they were like, well, no. You know, um, and they had different reasonings. You know, some people were, I think, they were like, well, I just want to have, right now it's all book. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to be out in the field for a year or so, and then I'll come back to it. And I felt like telling, you know, and I just listened. And I was like, you know, I was like, "It, it is helpful even though it's a different perspective, if you're taking a con ed as a student, maybe you, maybe you absorb five ten percent, maybe five whatever. Let's say it's five percent. Yeah, that's five percent ahead of the game. Yeah, that's five percent of tools you have in your your tool bank. So then, when you do see a patient, you you are confronted with a situation with the patient. You might that might that five percent might help you right. or help the patient. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting about Con Ed and their perspective of it. And you could definitely see who's the hustlers yeah. to not. I met a couple of them, which was cool. One kid, I think, spoke to you. Uh, he was talking yes. to you when I came the over. The first person. When I said hustler, that was the first guy I thought of. Yeah. And so what he, he told me was, like, he's been a trainer for about 10 years. And um, he was uh, thinking that he possibly might have to just, like, kind of ditch training when he graduates and just do, like, in-network PT and to be a PT, and I was like, no, I was like you can do whatever you want. Like this is yeah, the fact that you have the ten years of experience on your own. You can now maybe go talk to people who already have their clinic ready to go and do these out of network and cash. And you can still combine PT and training. You could do your own thing, rent space, 
Whatever it is. Yeah. It. You know, he he had the uh, the spark. I mean, his question to me was, when did you know it was time to start your own? And I was like, well, you never really know. You you know that. I mean. Going into PT school, I, that was my end game. Mm-hmm. I think I, I I went in thinking, yeah, I want to work for myself. But um, it was a good question, and I told him, you know, I, I had an idea. I think I actually saw that gentleman uh, training in that facility that actually closed down a oh, couple really? of years ago. So he had a client there, and very enthusiastic. Watching him with the client, I was like, oh, this guy. Knows his stuff. You know, mm-hmm. he was very enthusiastic. He was engaging, mm-hmm. and then that's what he was like in the class. Yeah, you know? oh, yeah so absolutely. he was he was he was there, yeah. um, confident. Anyhow, it's great to hear students like that. And again, Lee just gave this guy a whole different perspective because here he goes thinking he wants to hang up his personal training. Truth is, he's probably making a lot more money than he would as a therapist. You yeah. know, um, hourly at least, and that. Um, you know, to those who are listening, you can do it right out of school. It's going to be challenging, but you can do whatever you want. Yeah, I I, I would say if if you it, we we're two practicing therapists, we're ten years out of school, and you you could definitely um, you know I, I'm assuming that you would probably say the same thing, but definitely let me know what you would say. But if someone were to ask me, would you change anything right out of school? I would say yes. You know, I would do more. Uh, reaching out to maybe these out-of-network practices, meeting those people, maybe doing more con ed when I was in school earlier Mm. because I knew what it took when I was out of school in terms of that work balance. And what, you know, when you start working and you're seeing that volume of patients, your weekend when you were going to take a course is your kind of recharge time or family time or all the above, right? So, of course, you could take... Courses like this, you know what's so funny is now that I'm thinking of it, do you remember that last day in Makovsky's class? That speech he gave us, man. And it's similar to what we're kind of talking about now, right? Because he talked about maybe you don't have to take that course. Maybe you could spend more time with your family. Remember that? Yes. I'll never forget those words. And he was, you know, what he was saying, because he's on another level when he was practicing. I'm sure he was taking like a course a weekend and his wife was probably like, you think yeah, you yeah, he's a le- he's a legend. These kids knew about him. You know, uh, Howard McCoskey? Yeah, they were like, we heard of him. He's kind of like a legend, no? Yeah, and I is. was like, yeah, he definitely is. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I mean, that that's what, if you're in school right now and you're in year two, definitely start taking courses now. There's no harm in it. Um, yeah, you might be spending a couple of extra dollars to do it, but it's definitely worth it when you get out because it's going to give you, you're going to meet people on these courses and it's going to give you ideas of what better you can do when you get out. And maybe you'll save a couple of years trying to figure that out after you get out of school, because that's, that's the hardest part is that you spend time figuring out what you want to do and, or what's going to be best for your situation. Yeah, I was, um. I was lucky enough, I think, in my personal training career to been mentored by a couple of individuals that were like they were top trainers at the time mm-hmm. at you know at this um, place I was working out of on 59th and Park. And one gentleman told me that he he was told you know when he was you know a young trainer to spend about ten to twenty percent of your income on Conet. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're independent, you know, to to 
broke it down to like 10%. And mm-hmm. that's a big number mm-hmm. for Con Ed. But the bottom line is, is that kind of rang with me. And I remember as a trainer, you know, it's like, wow, I got to get it together. So that's, you know, it's kind of started then where I was like, oh, I'm going to take a prenatal class. I'm going to take a medical exercise specialist. I'm going to take a kickboxing class that was horrible. I would never recommend it. But <laughs> uh, it was like a cardio kickbox. I mean, it started oh, off man. with like... This instructor, I think I told you, uh-huh. this guy was like, you know, I go into different gyms and they kind of know me because I'm like, I'm like that group of fitness guy, uh-huh. you know? So like the women are like, they want some female clients want to work with me and they're worried about bulking. I'm like, you're not going to bulk. We're going to do high reps. Like, the, And that was, re- <laughs> I remember. you tone and lean. Yeah. And I remember looking uh-huh. at this guy, I took the class with him and like, oh. This is not. This is not. That's how it started. But anyway, point. I'm I'm going on a tangent. Early on in my career, I had uh, the guidance Mm -hmm. to get into Con Ed and fast forward into physical therapy. I remember Doctor E um, telling me and you. I remember I was interested in manual therapy after my first fill. Mm -hmm. I was like, "What can I do?" And he was like, "Make yourself marketable." You need, you know, and it's regional. You know, you might want to take some classes that are familiar on the East Coast, but why not take some from the West Coast? Mm. So he went back and forth, and I remember as a as a uh, third year graduate, he was telling me he was like, "Whatever you do, take as much con ed as you can before you start a family." Yeah, because he was like, "Because once you have a baby, it changes," and I could definitely attest to this. Leah's gone on two maybe even three or four con eds in the last couple of years yeah. that i haven't been able to make and yeah. the, the big you know the big determining factor is like lee just said family i have five days of 10 12 hour days of this and that mm-hmm. and work and travel and on the weekend you know i, I almost almost unplug i try to unplug almost completely I, not completely but anyhow Advice to all of you new grads or students: Take on it mm-hmm. early, early, early. You know, load in, it up, uh, and hopefully career. someone else could pay for it. That yeah. would definitely a perk of wherever the hell you're going to make sure that. Yeah, they that, should. They should shell that out. They should shell. They should. Yeah, ten percent of your salary. Yeah, that would be a crazy number. Uh, you know, that would be a crazy number. I just remember this one memory. I remember an, in Amir's class, and we were talking about logistics because this was the business class, whatever. And so we talked about Con Ed, and and I for some reason I was I was talking to him in the class like I, I had either answered a question or was asking me a question, and he's like, oh all right, so how much would you want me to pay you per year for Con Ed? And I was just thinking like training stuff, mm. and I was like, well I already pay for all my training stuff, so that's fine. Tra- training Con Ed, and I was like, oh maybe like five hundred dollars. He's like, oh that's easy, I'll give you that in a second. And then I was I look at courses and I'm like, oh that that would get me like half of a course. One course. Yeah, one course out of the 10-section s- module that you're going to need to get that <laughs> certification. Right. That's uh, uh, crazy. I, speaking of which, he still teaches. He I, does? I asked one of the at, students. At Turo? Yeah. Wow. And he still teaches a business course alone. And I, I told him the story. I was like, he's a straight shooter. He and is. He's like, yeah. And I was like, um, you know, he's the kind of guy that would fire you. And then drive you home. You're, I know you remember that story. It's a classic. Classic. So what I story. want you to do is 
you know, you, your values don't align with mine. Right. And I want you to just wash the windows before you leave. I'll right. drive you home. Right, right. <laughs> I'm going to cut you out. He goes, you know, sometimes, you know, there's tough conversations with... You're gonna have to reduce someone's salary because things aren't making. And you know, you can straight shoot. You tell them, mm -hmm. hey, you know, revenue's not there. Your, your performance isn't there. We're gonna probably have to decrease your salary. Is that yeah. okay with you? You gotta ask. Is it okay? Because it might not be okay. And if it's not okay, then I'll, it's not okay. I'll drive you home. I'll drive you home. And maybe <laughs> she wasn't a right fit for us. I'm gonna try to find her a job. You know why? Because you never right. know. I don't want to burn any bridges. Yeah, you know? that's and right. That was perfect. He he was he was Holy amazing. Man. He was the one with the body language. He he brought me up to the front of the room. Yeah. And he was like, well, because he, he asked you a question and it was like a triggering question. Like you were supposed to be a patient right. being triggered, and then he he was. I remember he he taught us the whole. Um, have the patient oh, sitting I... higher than uh, you are, and so he had you set up like that. And then you were in the middle of talking, and he stood up and he put his hand there and he said, stop. <laughs> and I just stopped like a little puppy. I'm like, yeah. oh. he's great. a man. But yeah. he, um, I, I don't know. Let me ask you this. So in that course, I remember distinctively the goal of the the business model that he's he was proposing to us is uh, efficiently and revenue based was two and a half patients per hour. Do you remember that? Yes. So would. If if he still is the sole person teaching business, I think there might need to be some updates. Yeah, I think that's an update. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't agree with that number. Yeah, that ratio. I rather that ratio be like one every forty five minutes or right. No, and then know? and then of course he would say like, well, where are you going to get that money in terms of? This is based off the old model. Yeah, we know what the old model is. Exactly. The old model is dead. It's dead. Uh, it's ten years. That was ten years ago. Yeah. No, it was more. Probably like. 10 yeah 10 it was 10 years ago i don't yeah when did we, did we 2010 yeah so we had him in the final year final year yeah or maybe like the semester before mm -hmm. but you know he definitely he was entrenched in the nypta yeah i'm sure he's still doing and that. now you know now it makes sense why mm -hmm. um he probably you know but he got out of it i remember asking him i want to get involved and he looked at me he was like why <laughs> and I was like, well, if I'm in my own, if I own my own business, I want to, I want to know the changes that are going to come before they actually are implemented. He was like, oh, good reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is where you go, you know. So, but he was, um, he actually shared a book that's very popular, E Myth book. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I had, I bought it. I didn't ever read it, unfortunately. <laughs> I maybe I should have read it before doing what I'm doing now. But um, it was really interesting. And like, I'm in that position now, right? Yeah where the e-myth is you own your own business, mm -hmm. right, when you go work for yourself. And the truth is, you don't. Like, mm -hmm. right now I have a job or I have a career. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if I stop, the business stops. And I think the point of the e-book, e-myth e at least, was to dispel certain myths about going out on your own, um, but also to kind of control for that. Uh, but, you know, many thanks to... Dr. Amir and, yeah. and, and Toro, because they taught us, you know, yeah, I just had to get, you know, for the time, it was perfect information for the time. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think our classmates absorbed most of it, <laughs> uh, all of our classmates, but no. to those of you who are listening, hello. <laughs> um, but it was, it was uh, last night was definitely uh, a testament to how far we've come, um, listening yeah. to some of those students. And, you know, their reasoning, as sound as it was for the time, 
wouldn't approach it at all. The use of touch, the use of body language, the use of language. You know, thankfully it did come up. I'll yeah. let you take it from there. But the, yeah. the pain science, I asked both groups about pain science. And unfortunately, both were kind of clueless. Um, and, yeah. and they were, you know, they were open to hear about it. But one of them has like, well, I read some, what the hell he said? He was like, seen some Instagram stuff. That's what he said. Yeah, he was like, I've seen some stuff online. Yeah. I definitely know that it's a growing thing. I was like, yeah, you bet. I was like, you better take a look. I mean, <laughs> it's coming fast. So he was like, well, it, it was interesting. Yeah. Out of 12 people I was with, 12 people did not know what, you know, what pain science was or who David Butler was. So, right. but thankfully, as we um, we had a little uh, discussion after class, it seems like that's being pushed now. Yeah, no, it's not, our uh, when we we did a little Q and A at the end, and they asked us our um, the kind of tips and tricks to give the students of what we saw that could help them, and we all kind of said all six of us said the same thing, you know, building confidence in the patient, using certain language so you don't f- put more anxiety in the patient, more fear. Um, and the students responded really well. I remember there had been, there had, one year I think you were there, and uh, there was some weird feedback that we get after that. Yes. And we were like, but what about? Yeah, we we're like, oh, you're kind of missing the, missing the point here. But anyway, uh, the, everybody was very receptive. And then our teacher, uh, the teacher who was teaching the course, she was implying that I think the following first year, so the kids who start in 2000. Maybe this year. So they'll yeah, start yeah. this 18 year. 18 or they started in 18, they got it. Or maybe 19 will get it. I think 19 will get 19. it. That's right. what you've always saying. Yes. And um, so that's great. I mean, now that's that's a, another step closer to what we keep talking about on this podcast in terms of the changes. And then maybe they'll have a strength training, a strength conditioning course. Yeah, maybe and they have a, a business course uh, updated. Yeah. Business course. Um, I hope so. I mean that that's something that should be exposed. Like for the instance, that guy we were talking about earlier, if he had the business course and we were explaining to them there are models out there that you can achieve holding training and physical therapy, he wouldn't be so anxious about when he were to graduate and kind of pushed into a corner, which it sounds like he felt like. And he was, he's a third. They're all third years that we taught. Well, the, um, the, it's almost. I mean, look, I think most school. Most. I'm going to make a big generalization, but most careers kind of create workers, right? Yep. I mean, let's say finance or economics, MBAs, um, they kind of fine-tune people to kind of work in X environment. And I think with PT schools, traditionally, um, you know, they were like, well, you're going to have to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn some stuff about, like, you know, emergency stuff, physiology, and then from there, you. but I think it was, it was specialized. They were just gearing people towards going into these, quote, jobs. I mean, they weren't gearing people up to start their own practices. Right. Um, and, and again, I mean, obviously not everybody wants that. Um, not everybody wants to own a practice. Mm-hmm. And I don't recommend. It's not It's not for everybody. Not for everybody, no. No. I mean, it, there are definitely days like, you know. Recently, I kind of reflect on, oh, man, I remember when I was taking vacation. Well, no. When I would take a vacation, mm-hmm. and like I would, it was I took a vacation, you know, right. and I got a paid vacation. You know, you put in, you know, the request. That's a little stressful, depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. There was different levels of anxiety with that. And you remember that? Oh God, yeah. You know, and there was 
it probably is much worse now. I'm sure. Um, hmm. Well, I uh, luckily I have a manager that I get along with. So yeah. that that not only helps, that's essential. Yeah, that's essential because if you know you didn't get along, that that's a little power trippy thing. Well, I can't approve it. Yeah, I can't. Uh. Oh my god. But but anyway, a business, you know, opening up your own practice or going out on your own, you know, vacation doesn't really exist. I mean, it does, but you know, you're never really off. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the the fact of you know going home and. That's it, you know. I mean, you may get an email, a stray email or two, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's not a level of urgency. Whereas if you're out on your own, there's a lot more considerations. On the flip side, flexibility and uh, kind of uh, writing your own story. Right. <laughs> but I, I was impressed last night. Really impressed and, and inspired, really, to do more. Uh, I think um, the proctor, the, the teacher that was there, was really impressed by us you know she said she learned something today and Mm -hmm. she seemed like she was genuinely um thankful Mm -hmm. um for us kind of sharing our time with the students yeah that was great i mean i it really kind of wanted me to get back into that environment again and to to teach and we got some really good feedback from her from the teacher which um was good you know this is something that is you know, you get to a certain stage in your career and you kind of look at other things you could do besides getting your hands on people for eight, nine hours a day. And yes. it's 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 good to progress yourself as a clinician to do this stuff because teaching is the highest form of learning. Yes. And then you're also kind of solidifying what you already do know and also having you have to keep up with information to teach at the academic level, which I like because then I could pat, do my best to pass on the information that seems to be coming in at the forefront and seems to be the most accessible for new grads. What do you think the minimal, um, to be like an adjunct professor and teach, I don't know, ortho, how many hours, how many hours a salary? week? Salary? Oh. No, 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 no. <laughs> salary, know. we know. No, salary, I mean, it wouldn't be, be for the money. That's for sure. No. I don't think they're going to be paying, you know. Cash rate, no, <laughs> or add an outwork rate, whatever you know. I don't want to disclose numbers online, but you know, I doubt it. No, no, it's not. not I, I remember I would had... say it's a sixth, maybe a fifth. If I'm lucky, a oh, fifth. Yeah, we had a teacher who talked about it openly to us at one point, and I remember her um, line of reasoning was like, "I don't have a really like you know, what did she say? Um, her life really doesn't require a lot of money." That's what she was saying, and mm, that's um, nice. So she, it's, it's a nice. It's, that's it's a wish I fit. was her, man. Yeah, <laughs> living in New York, you know, you're constantly reminded of money, um, yes. just because of the cost of living. But yeah, but hours wise, I would say if you had one course, there's actually a ratio. I have a, a patient. Two I have a couple one. patients. Uh, it's more than that. It's about five to one. So every hour that you teach, you you want to prep about five hours. So and that was when I did my strength conditioning course. That was about what I did. And it was a two to three hour lecture. Uh, it was a lot of prep, only because you know you gathering research, you putting together a, an adequate presentation. You don't want to slap it together too crazily. Um, but like, let's say if you teach the same course every year, you're not going to really change too much. So you're going to do that yes. the first time around. Yes. And I remember talking to Dr. Schreier about this because when he came on full time and he came on for anatomy, he knew one of my clients. It was a pa- it, it, her son was his patient, and um, 
she teaches. She teaches full time and she teaches at a big school here in the city and she's I think tenured and everything. She's on the tenure board. Um so she's like you know, to get to that point you have to get you know, it's very ridiculous. Um so she knows a lot about the science behind actual prep and teaching. She told him five to one and he found you know, he, he, Doctor Shari did way more than that apparently. Um oh, to do like anatomy and stuff, kinda went overboard but um I found the same thing, and I was just doing a basic course on strength conditioning. So I can't if so I did like you're an, kine- expert, you're an expert at it too. That's a crazy thing that it's yeah. not like you're going out trying to learn anything. No, that's I think that's the mistake too. Like for instance, when we do ju- the jujitsu presentation, it's not like we're not teaching jujitsu. We're teaching what we can teach, which is movement and uh, movement patterning and the stresses of movement and what does that mean for the person in terms of PT, psychological, all this other stuff. Um, That's what we can actually teach, but you shouldn't... I remember Amir was talking about this. It's funny, we're talking about him again, but uh, when you're running a business and you hire somebody and you identify their strengths and their weaknesses, remember this? Yes. You want to definitely have them perform their strengths and almost not exploit them, but like... um, Use them. You, you want to use those strengths 100%, and you want to do minimally amount to improve their weaknesses. He's like, if you focus on too much of improving their weaknesses, you're going to take way too much time, too much of a learning curve, too much of an investment, and then you're going to get a, a weak uh, employee. And you're focused on... Um it's almost like you're focused on a negative, like you need some help here. Right. As opposed to you're doing great over there. Let's put you, uh, let's, let's, let's have you wash the windows. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then I'm going to drive you home, and I'm going to cut your salary by 35% this week. Can you go to Ikea and get us a new table and put it together over there? Yeah. You're Make really good breakfast at this. tomorrow. Is that okay? <laughs> okay. All right. You have a job. You oh have a job for the next week. For the Dude, next week. <laughs> I, I, I've been thinking about doing that, by the way. I've been talking to Isang. I was like, you know what? Maybe I could do some admin work. Maybe I could go and maybe do some like construction or something. <laughs> 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 hey, the crazy get thing is- Get some extra money. Get the, the crazy thing is, man, the hustle. I think the difference now, man, is is <sighs> we've been hustling since I since 15. You know, you've been- 2003. 2003. <laughs> Hasn't Look, stopped. I, I could, I could say, as crazy as this is gonna sound, mm-hmm. ninety four, ninety five. Ooh, yeah, no, that's you know, and again, different, different yeah, yeah. stuff. But you know, uh, odd jobs, pizza, ribs on the run. For all those people that knows what that is, that place is, um, Sears, mm-hmm. odd jobs, just yeah. weird, you know. Um, but always like multiple things, and so now the thought of like little extra every day is extra really yeah yeah. it's crazy it just continues but um manage your time guys man try to manage your time as best as possible um any closing thoughts on uh yeah i i would uh on the course earlier i would recommend it if you are interested in learning about movement patterns in sports and the carryover everybody everybody um who is an expert in the movement field. And I'm talking about people like Greg Cook, the creator of FMS, um, Charlie Weingroff, uh, all these well-known movement experts, specialists. They talk about the same thing. Your ability to move your trunk, rotate through your trunk, move your feet, absorb force, and um, produce force. 
is what's needed in sport. You get the same thing in this course. It's a little bit more specific to combat, and it's very basic, which I loved in terms of striking. Uh, you're not going to learn about jiu-jitsu. You're not going to learn about grappling. You're not going to learn about specific self-defense, but you're going to learn about movement patterns, and I like that. Very cool. And yeah. for anybody thinking of teaching, it is definitely the noble thing to do, um, whether it's on a one-on-one level or it's in an academic setting like we had last night. You know, as Lee just mentioned, you know, teaching is the highest form of learning. Mm. And um, pass pass the baton. It, it's uh, it's important because someone must have passed it to you. Right. <laughs> That's good. All right, cool. Signing off. Signing off. Thank no, you for listening. No uh, engineer, but <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to A Few Good Physios. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Follow us each week while we interview guests and have clinical commentary. 